If you enjoy listening to this podcast, we ask you to consider supporting it by making a one-time or reoccurring donation. Visit Mayflower's website at www.mayflowerucc.org and click on the Donate tab in the menu. Donations made to Mayflower's Communications Fund are tax-deductible and help ensure that this podcast is available. Thank you for your support. The sermon you are about to hear was preached at Mayflower Congregational UCC Church in Oklahoma City by the Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie, senior minister at one of America's premier liberal Protestant pulpits. At Mayflower, we are an open and affirming peace and justice church where we believe religion should be biblically responsible, intellectually honest, emotionally satisfying, and socially significant. We go now to the pulpit of Mayflower Congregational UCC Church of Oklahoma City and to the preaching and teaching of Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie. Good morning. Welcome from Mayflower Congregational United Church of Christ, where no matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. Will you pray with me? We cannot help it, Holy One. We know we're supposed to have our eyes closed, but sometimes we cannot help but sneak a peek during prayer. Every once in a while, we catch the eye of someone else who just couldn't help it either. So we shut our eyes tight again, look away quickly as if we've been caught. But not before the corners of our mouth turn up because we can't help but smile in solidarity. Perhaps you'd like for us to just go ahead and keep our eyes open when that happens. After all, do we not pray together in part to know that we are not alone, to acknowledge shared struggle, to see the reflection of our heart in another's? Maybe when we know that we're all talking about the same things to you, we'll begin to trust that we can tell each other, and in doing so, share each other's burdens, and in this way, obey the law of Christ, as Paul wrote. Help us to hold each other's gaze, Holy One, along with each other's joy, grief, bewilderment, gratitude and hope, resting in the promise that you are with us with we, when we pray. Amen. Our scripture lesson this morning comes from the letter to the Hebrews, chapter 13, verses 1 through 8 and 15 through 16. Let mutual love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers for by doing that, some have entertained angels without knowing it. Remember those who are in prison, as though you were in prison with them, those who are being tortured, as though you yourselves were being tortured. Let marriage be held in honor by all, and let the marriage bed be kept undefiled, for God will judge fornicators and adulterers. Keep your lives free from the love of money, and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. 
So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can anyone do to me? Remember your leaders, those who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Through him, then, let us continually offer a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of lips that confess his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Here ends the reading from our tradition. May God grant to us wisdom and courage for interpretation. This week, there seemed to be an overwhelming number of things on which I needed to preach. Should the sermon be about state-sponsored executions? Should the sermon be about the strides made by Christian nationalism in Tuesday's primary election? Should it be about the accreditation downgrades of Tulsa and Mustang Public Schools by the Oklahoma State Board of Education? Should the sermon be about debt forgiveness? Or should the sermon be about all of the laws that went into effect last week, which included a ban on red flag laws and legal punishment of those who provide abortions? I mean, how does one work all of those things into one sermon? And is it preacher malpractice by leaving a few of them out? So much to preach, so little time. In sermon preparation, one of the things that the preacher does is read what comes immediately before the lectionary passage for that Sunday so that we can put the sermon text in its context. While it is definitely biblically responsible and intellectually honest to do that, we also do it because it is usually helpful. There's more story to work with than what just we read. That is usually true, except for this week. The verse immediately preceding our lesson text is Hebrews chapter 12, verse 29. Indeed, our God is a consuming fire. And I thought, well, I've got the matches, God. Let's burn it all down. Thankfully, there's that space between the chapters that gives everyone a chance to pause and take a breath, which is especially important for the preacher. And it appears that's exactly what the preacher in Hebrews did anyway. He took a really deep breath for right on the heels of, indeed our God is a consuming fire, he takes a hard left. Seemingly out of step with the preceding passage, he begins again. Let mutual love continue. Commentators, writes Tom Long, have always noted the change in style that comes with chapter 13, some even wondering if the same person wrote this who composed the rest of Hebrews. To understand the abrupt transition from God is a consuming fire to let mutual love continue, Long suggests that we think of the previous 12 chapters as the sermon in a worship service, which concluded with a dramatic finish and a stirring declaration. But then the preacher turns to 
the more routine aspects of congregational life. In short, the, the sermon is being followed by the announcements and joys and concerns. And if the preacher is doing it right, the announcements are opportunities for anyone and everyone to embody the message of the good news that they heard in the sermon. So the announcements concern the following. Hospitality and ministry, sex and money, worship and service. Hospitality, ministry, sex and money, and worship and service. And despite the thousands of years that separate that group of believers from this group of believers, when you put them under those headings, there is every reason to understand that this letter could have been written specifically to us. The announcements still stand. As to the announcement regarding hospitality, let mutual love continue. In Hebrews, writes scholar Christopher Holmes, mutual love is shorthand for practices and dispositions that preserve and strengthen the community. Mutual love, a phrase translated from the Greek word Philadelphia, and which we recognize from other writings in antiquity, meant love for one's brothers or sisters by blood. In the New Testament, however, it refers to a particular form of love expressed among the members of the beloved community. Christians were known and sometimes jeered because of their creation and maintenance of so-called fictive kinship. The practice of referring to one another as siblings not only conveys the theological conviction that everyone is a child of God, but also reflects the reality that early Christians experienced rejection from their actual kin, so they created intentional family. And this is particularly important on this day, a day when we covenant with one another to walk hand in hand as disciples, seeking love, peace, and joy. We use the word covenant a lot around here. It is one of the most important words we use as a united church of Christ congregation. It is part of our core identity. Neither our denomination nor this congregation is bound together by doctrine or creeds or structures. No, we are bound by covenant, a mutual relationship of trust and responsibility named in the presence of God. We covenant to show up for one another. We covenant to be a people of possibility. We covenant to wage peace, to work for nonviolent solutions to personal, interpersonal, local, national, and international problems. We covenant to be a prophetic church, to speak truth to power, liberate the oppressed, care for the poor, and comfort the afflicted. We covenant to be in service to the earth and to each other. We covenant to accompany one another on our spiritual journeys. We covenant to make sure that every person belongs to a family of faith where each of us has a strong sense of being valued and loved. And like all families, we don't always get it right the first time or the third time. In fact, not everyone here 
likes everyone else here, but we do love each other. For as Casey Musgrave sings, family is family in church or in prison. You get what you get and you don't get to pick them. They might smoke like chimneys but give you their kidneys. Yeah, friends come in handy, but family is family. This family eats together at fellowship dinners. We share our grief and find joy with new friends in our widow's ministry. We work out our salvation with fear and trembling in Sunday school and worship and at Wednesday evening book study. We learn about trust and vulnerability in our men's group, the Guild and Martha Circle. The announcement stands. Let mutual love continue. As to the announcements regarding ministry, remember those who are in prison as though you were in prison with them, those who are being tortured as though you yourselves were being tortured. For our time, the announcement concerns the fact that after last week's execution, there are still 24 more state-sponsored executions scheduled over the next two years and four months. If the executions take place as scheduled, Oklahoma will kill 10 prisoners a year in 2023 and 10 more in 2024. I think that you all do not need me to say more on this subject other than to repeat the announcement. Remember those who are in prison, those who are being tortured, as if it were you. As to the announcement regarding sex and money, which is obviously the preacher's favorite thing to talk about, <laughs> let marriage be held in honor by all and let the marriage bed be kept undefiled, for God will judge fornicators and adulterers. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have, for he has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What can anyone do to me? To note that sex and money are sticky topics is an understatement, even though what Hebrews says is fairly conventional. When it comes to marriage, integrity matters. And when it comes to money, it shouldn't rule your lives. I must take an aside here because of the abuse and shaming done in many a pulpit regarding marriage. Note that there is nothing in the text about the wrongness of separation or divorce. There are times when those decisions are, in fact, the very best ways to honor marriage, to maintain integrity. If you have ever been shamed by the church because your marriage ended, or if you are a child of divorced parents who endured those sermons, I'm sorry please know that the UCC actually has in its book of worship a liturgy for the recognition of the end of a marriage that acknowledges the earnest reordering of lives in a wholesome and redemptive way. And the thing is, this passage is meant to speak to the community as a whole. It was a letter written to a, a group so the author is not actually speaking about sex and money as personal or private matters, but about how they exist in our communal lives, 
Sex and money are lodged in the value systems of society and have been forever. In the Mediterranean world, both sex and money were avenues to and expressions of power and position. And we are all too familiar with how sex and money dominate the conversation. After all, New York Times opinion columnist Gail Collins reminded us, doesn't everyone remember how good the Clinton economy was? No. <laughs> People are far more interested in talking about adultery than infrastructure. And money? Well, you have heard it said, corporations are people, there is no such thing as a free lunch, and pull yourselves up by your bootstraps. If those are the ways in which the world works, the church and how we function as a body should seem very odd indeed. Feeding people who can't pay for it, holding resources in common, providing shelter without charging rent, forgiving debts. The announcement still stands. When it comes to sex and money, be mindful, be ever mindful of how they reflect our work and ministry and theology. Finally, the fourth announcement about worship and service. Remember your leaders, those who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Through him, then, let us continually offer a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that confess God's name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. The author here, in telling us to remember your leaders, is not referring to the faith legends of yesteryear, like the faith hall of fame we read about a few weeks ago, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Gideon, all those guys. The preacher is telling them to remember the faithful church leaders that had been in the midst of their community. God could be trusted because they had the evidence. They had witnessed firsthand what lives committed to Christ looked like. Remember those leaders, the author writes, so that you do not grow weary because of the trouble you face. They were faithful, so you should be faithful. And this speaks to us too, especially after this week, when it was so easy to think that the current is just too strong for us to swim against. Then comes the announcement. Remember your leaders, those who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. So it is that we remember Willadine Burris Ream, better known to this family as Willie. In 1961, she became the first woman in SMU history to earn a master's degree in theology. Southern Methodist University agreed to let her pursue a theological education in exchange for Willie's promise that she would not pursue ordination. So Willie promised to only use that theological degree in her life as a wife and mother, as a missionary in Algeria, South Africa, and Portugal, 
and then later as a teacher and coach at Cassidy School here in Oklahoma. Willie's work and ministry as a leader in this church led to 363 naming our annual blue jean drive for our neighbors at the Homeless Alliance after her. You'll start hearing about it in just a few weeks, the Willie Ream Blue Jean Drive. And this was because Willie was the Oprah of blue jeans. You get some blue jeans, you get some blue jeans, everybody gets some blue jeans. She knew one pair of jeans mattered, so she would go to Goodwill and clear out the lot. She knew that a thicker layer of clothing against the cold matters. It certainly makes a difference if you're sleeping on the ground. Willie embodied what it meant to do good and to share what she had. Years after her death, we speak her name, we remember her life, and we carry on her work. After the benediction is given today, you will have the opportunity to head into the fellowship hall to learn more about and to sign up to participate in the work and ministry of this church. Pick anything, but pick one. Tutor at WizKids, take our Afghan family to their dentist appointments, set aside a morning to volunteer at Joe's Addiction, or sign up to provide salad dressing for the meal 363 takes to the Homeless Alliance. One thing, one thing faithfully done again and again and again, because the people of God are relentless. The announcement still stands. Remember your leaders and imitate their faith. Do not neglect to do good and share what you have. I said earlier that in sermon preparation, one of the things that the preacher does is read what comes immediately before the lectionary passage for that Sunday so that we can put the sermon text in context. We also read what comes after the scripture lesson for the day for the same reason. The very last line of Hebrews is perhaps the line that covers all that needs to be said today, and it is this. Grace be with all of you. Grace be with all of you. I confess this sounds like a much better plan than burning it all down. Grace be with all of you. Amen. You've been listening to the preaching and teaching of Rev. Dr. Lori Walkie, Senior Minister at Mayflower Congregational UCC Church in Oklahoma City. More information about the church can be found at www.mayflowerucc.org or by visiting Mayflower's Facebook page. Worship services are every Sunday at 10 a.m with Sunday school classes for all ages at 9 a.m. Mayflower is located on Northwest 63rd Street in Oklahoma City, one block west of Portland. Thank you for listening.